separation anxiety explained so not only do you get one separation anxiety specialist not only do you get two separation anxiety specialists but you get three and this week we're going to be talking about big life changes so my name's sarah mclaren and i'm from separation anxiety solutions in the uk and i am with hey it's ness jones and i am from separation anxiety in dogs decoded and I am in Australia. And Stacy Bell with Focused Fun. I am in the US. Okay, so what are some of the big life changes that we're going to be talking about today? Like what qualifies and, and why is this um, even something to address with separation anxiety? I've got a list. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yes. I do. My, my list. So mm-hmm. um, uh, please feel free to add to my list. <laughs> so we have moving home. There's a big one. Yeah, that's definitely one of the top ones, I think. Yeah, having children. Mm. Not necessarily just giving birth either. It could be adopting or fostering or however you may have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting married, moving a partner in, moving friends in um job changes that can often cause big changes in life building works uh so having extensions having people next door having building works uh one i've put is is a loss of a canine partner so when you've got more than one dog and the dog loses its its buddy friend sister brother partner uh and another one i put down that I think we might might need to do a bit more research on this one, but it's something worth looking at in the future is for um, bitches when it comes to having seasons or puppies or phantom pregnancies, whether Mm -hmm. that affects uh, separation anxiety in any way. Okay. I've got another one. Divorce, divorce or partners separating. Mm -hmm. Kids going to college or coming back from college. Yeah, I think it, it can be anything that just kind of shakes up the normal routine of, of their day. So I'm sure there's some that we're missing, but... Um, oh, for sure, for sure. I think those are a kind of good one to start with. Yeah, so for me, I think I've seen the biggest effect or maybe the with moving house, but also, oh, one that, that uh, we've mentioned on other shows is sometimes when, um, you know, other animals coming in, just so Sarah, you talked about if a canine friend passes, but also if like a canine, a new canine friend comes in, if you're fostering or you've adopted or just acquired a new dog, that could be enough of a routine change or um, mm. even meow. not a dog, a cat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There a bird. <laughs> there, there was another one on my list as well, which was holidays. I forgot to say it. I don't know why. Oh, right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> That's a big one. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's a big one, not only because sometimes there's a lot of strange people in the house, but also your routine is totally different during the holidays. And I get asked a lot when, when people are going on holiday, when they're taking their dog with them, should they do the training while they're on holiday? Don't do it. <laughs> Funnily enough, that's what I tell them. <laughs> yes, no, don't do your training on holiday. It won't have any impact on your training at home, at least not in a positive way. Have a holiday right. and enjoy it. And that's why um, when people move homes as well, that, you know, the dog might be, good for five hours in the previous home and when they move the dogs regressed they just don't cope with it well do they well it's interesting because I think if you play your cards right um and and we can talk about some of our tips but if your dog has had in the past a lot of negative experiences before maybe you realize that they had separation anxiety or before you knew how to work through it with your dog. Um, maybe they had a lot of bad experiences of being home alone at your current house. When you move, you, you do have a chance to have kind of a clean slate there, right? So it could be that if you approach training and we'll give you the tips for for kind of how to do this but if you approach it correctly then you kind of have a clean slate there you know, there's no history not had any negative experiences in that home so so while you may start with easier times than you left your previous home it, it is an opportunity for your your dog to excel there so what are some of the tips that we give our clients when they're going, um, when their uh, big life change is coming up? I think for, for big ones, for me, especially if you've got dogs that are on that side of anxiety anyway, is if you can, you know, situational medication may help, certainly with initial big changes, especially for difficult ones. Um, and I think things like moving home and, and you know, people moving in or, or, you know, deaths and things can be quite uh, big. I think also when you're thinking about mo moving specifically, um, and this can pertain to other ones too, is to, as you're approaching a big life change, often there's a flurry of activities to prepare for said big life change. Like for moving, it might involve packing, it might involve, you know, scoping out your new property, it might involve furniture shopping. So there's a lot of things going on. And I think, you know, it's okay to, to step back on some training there, right? So you, you can just wind down training a bit yeah, if you yeah. need to focus on other things, right? Because chances are when you move to your new home or after things settle down after the big life change, you know, when you pick back up on training, you're going to start with easier wins for your dog. So Stacey, you've just reminded me while you were talking about stop training when you're doing big life changes. The other management side of that is for certain things like moving home again, 
uh, or any changes at home, if you could perhaps give your dog a holiday with a friend or family members or something where they can go for a few hours or a few days while you're doing all these big things. I also think it's really important to think about our mindset. So moving is supposed to be one of the most stressful things you can do in your life. And um, obviously things like divorce is stressful, um, you know, or sorry, separating, whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, even people moving into your home, obviously deaths, uh, uh, big life changes, um, very stressful. So take a breath and think about your mindset and how that might impact your dog because dogs that are already anxious and picking up and are sensitive um, to your moods, that will impact them as well. Another thing to look at is if you are moving or if you maybe your schedule at work changed. I know that's that's kind of a big thing for a lot of people right now is that you know some countries are starting to open up more and more people are going back to work instead of working from home is plan ahead, plan ahead for coverage for your dog because if your dog is at you know 20 minutes now and you're looking at going back to work next next in the next couple of weeks or even in the next month, you know, it's not likely that your dog is going to get to the, um, the amount of time you need for that. So um, when you're looking at these life changes, make contingency plans, consider, you know, is it going to be doggy daycare? Is there um, friends or family? And just make sure that you're not waiting until the last minute with all of those options. Well, you know the old saying, fail to plan, plan to fail. Yes, <laughs> that is one of my dad's favorite sayings. Yeah, don't <laughs> leave it till it's too late. I think another thing that might be important to note for our dear readers, listeners, well, they're not readers, other than listeners, uh, is, is with all these things is that with the moving home, I keep saying moving home because it's right at the top of my list and it's the first yeah. thing that I keep looking at. With all these large life changes, Sometimes you might, you know, your dog, your dog might not have had separation anxiety before they happened, in, you know, or you might not realise that they did. And, and for so, sometimes these big things can trigger separation yes. anxiety. It might not cause it, but it might trigger it if you've not seen it before. So whereas your dog might have had some low-level anxiety previously, sometimes the big changes can trigger it into something you know, or, or make it more obvious that actually they're a lot more anxious than you thought. Yes. Yeah. And if like, I, I've also seen where the dog had separation anxiety and they've recovered from it and have been fine for years and then move and then they'll regress. Mm, so yeah. yeah, it can either, it can happen, you know, this can certainly trigger it or it could um, trigger a regression or, you know, if you're in the midst of training, just you'll have to be careful about your pace and, and, exercises that you're planning for your dog. Um, so that does bring us to the point of when these big life changes are happening, you know, give your dog time to settle and wait to restart training until your dog is settled in the new home or in the new routine or whatever it is, is just um, kind of like what we were talking about with the rescue dogs is just giving the dogs a little bit of time to decompress and get used to whatever the new um, normal looks like. Mm. Yeah. And don't put your stress onto them. I mean, I, I've talked about this before, but there was the, the lovely um, mother and daughter who had 
had a, gone through a marriage split and you know when I first met them the stress I could just see the stress that they were under how you know they just weren't coping and it was they had to move and all that sort of stuff and the dog just picked up on all of that um so they were stressed about the dog because it was it had developed separation anxiety and it never had it before but I I really do feel that the main cause was their own personal distress that was reflected on the dog and then of course I had the the, the couple that moved in together and the cats, <laughs> two cats. Yeah. And that didn't go so well. So cats do add a layer of interest in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement. Well, cats are so, yeah. they can be so perverse, can't they? They, you know, like they, they know the dog's not allowed to get to them, but they will make sure they sit yeah. within <laughs> nice and close just to wind them and up a little bit. Their tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got a we've got a new a new level of uh what would you call it now distraction going on at the minute. It's uh, it's foxy uh um mating season at the moment. Oh, oh so fun. One of my clients, every time I see a sheets on a morning, it's like those damn foxes are in the garden <laughs> again. It's like, oh no. <laughs> And I'm like, what are they doing? She's like, you don't want to know. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Environmental distractions can be somewhat challenging, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's true in the sense of you might um, have lived in the country, for example, and then mm. you move to the city. And so not only is the move um, a big change for your dog, but also the, the different environmental um, factors that come into play like traffic or people walking up the street or you know the neighbors yeah. next door or whatever it is and vice versa so you might be a, a city dog moving to the country and then you've got to um, all the wildlife and foxes humping <laughs> to deal yeah, with yeah yeah it, it's really interesting because um Rowan's favorite uh, best friend dog his name is Odie and he lives in a neighborhood and so when we go to Odie's house, Rowan notices all of the neighborhood things like, you know, people passing, cars passing, strollers passing, those things don't happen at our house, right? We don't have any of that. But then when Odie comes here, he notices the deer going through the yard and the geese <laughs> yeah. flying over and the, you know, so it, it is really that it's like whatever their normal is, yeah you know, they hardly even notice it it doesn't come up on their radar but then you know you place them in a new environment and all of the noises are are different and and mm. something to get used to um so that's that's definitely falls into that time to settle category for sure and i yeah. think it's quite common as well for for people to particularly if they've got anxious dogs to if they live in the city to move to the country because or to mm. move to a more rural area because they think it will be, you know, better. But they forget that they've got all those, you know, the rural noises are often even louder than the ones in the city. And because they're so random, so like tractors going up and down in a field behind your house mm. all day long, or, mm. you know, farmers shooting things and deer <laughs> in autumn and all these things that squawk and shout and squeak. <laughs> they yeah, get kangaroos. Yeah. We get kangaroos um, in okay. the not not in our yard, but we get them in the the two houses next door to us in their yards, and yeah, they'll just sit outside and eat grass or bounce through. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And we get bats as well. So um, in the right season when the right fruits in the trees, all the bats come over and make weird noises all night. Oh, we mm. get bats, but they're about two inches long. No, ours are huge. They're <laughs> flying foxes, they're called. I don't Everything think ours really count, do they? <laughs> I do also think that apartments um, are challenging. If you're moving into an apartment from yeah. a house, that can be difficult for a lot of dogs too. Yes, we indeed. should do a podcast on environmental sounds. Have we done that? No, so. we've talked about um, we've talked about them, but not a whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. that 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 can really affect training. We should that also do fun. one on apartment living. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, the the training around apartments can be very different to the kind of stuff you do in a house, because right? you've got to involve um, communal hallways and stairs and lifts and all that kind of weird and, and like neighbors coming home and stuff yeah. like that that can really um can be really close and so um it can throw off the dogs mm. so on, on my list one of the other the ones that's on there the, the loss of a canine partner mm. i think that's when, when we talk about the the myths of of separation anxiety and when the common recommendation to get another dog and we always say, you know, it's probably not a great idea because you might just end up with two dogs with separation anxiety, whereas you've only got one. With the loss of a canine partner, that's one thing that might actually work in that case, particularly if they relied on that partner a lot or if they were, you know, if, if the canine friendship was strong, mm-hmm. that sometimes for a dog that's grieving, that the separation anxiety may be caused by grieving. Mm, it might trigger it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I do think that is one of the times when it would be more likely that getting a second dog would help. But also, you might find equally that it doesn't help because, yeah. you know, if if Jim died and then you and I was grieving about that, which I would be, um, because I love him very much. <laughs> Um, you couldn't just pop in another husband and say, oh, well, sorry about that. Here's another one. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it could help your dog. Um, but it also could be that, you know, the dog that you're bringing in is, is can't. That might be a case of been lost. Yeah. That might be a case of foster to adopt. So yeah, if, you, really if you're fostering like, it. can. Yeah. I really like that as an option for people who think that that might help. Um, and also, you know, if you want a second dog anyways, then that's a different discussion than if you're only getting the second dog to, to help. The first. Yeah. yeah. I spoke to a lady yesterday and um, she's fostering to adopt a greyhound. Um, the, she, the, apparently the greyhound came from somewhere that where the dog had been living with, at least two other dogs is my understanding. Um, and then the, the lady who owned them fell on hard times and had to rehome, is basically on the verge of homelessness or something, um, but mm. is had to rehome all the dogs. And this one that got adopted to the lady I spoke to um, was the last one there. So dog number one left, dog number two left. And then this dog came to this lady 
um, who I spoke to yesterday and um, she says the dog's got separation anxiety. Certainly sounds like it. Um, but she was saying, I'm wondering whether getting another dog will help. And I said, well, because it's lived with other dogs, you know, this is a huge life change for this dog. She's lost its two canine buddies and been rehomed. So lost mum as well. Um, so yeah, she's considering it. I was just like, make sure if you're going to do a foster, foster to adopt, don't um, just go and get one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you've always got that chance as well that, you know, they might not get on with the dog that you bring home. And it's always much better if, if they actually become friends rather than bring a dog home and be stuck with it and then realise that the two that you've got don't get on. And then you've yeah. got two dogs with separation anxiety that don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> no, that would definitely be a challenge. So far, we've covered winding down training. Uh, making sure you plan for coverage if you are moving to a different area and or will be in a different circumstance where you didn't need coverage and do now. Um, taking into account if there are specific days that are stressful, like when you're moving for packing and actual moving day and unpacking, um, trying to find options for your dog or even situational meds. Um, giving them time to settle. And then I would say another one would be to, when you do start training again, to start with easy wins, not yeah. picking up where you left off, but, yeah. but just, you know, at time where you feel confident that they're going to ace it and then building from there. Yeah. Uh, we have mentioned this before, but just in relation to moving house, um, just remember that dogs don't generalize well, meaning that just because it's happened in one house, moving to a new house doesn't mean they're going to be able to cope with the same um, duration and time. Not only with, um, well, mostly with moving, just being really careful to protect that, that new environment and new setup with mm. making sure that you're not leaving them to panic or have negative experiences yeah don't move in and then i'll decide to go out to nando's for three hours <laughs> it would not be a good idea unless of course you could take your dog to nando's wherever you are <laughs> not in australia not here either i bet you could in I, france yeah europe i bet you can yeah we're a bit so backwards aren't we <laughs> when it comes to dogs going places don't forget to take your cameras with you when you move. Oh, yes. Video. When in video, doubt. Video, video, video. When in doubt. <laughs> We've got to make that rhyme somehow. I think you should make that into a saying. Yes. Homework for next week, Stacey. A jazzy jingle for video. <laughs> I'm thinking really hard. I'm not, I'm not coming up with anything on the fly. <laughs> but we'll give you a week. Video your dog. It will remove the fog. <laughs> nice. That sounds fabulous. Um, all right. So anybody have other things? Uh, I'm thinking on the seasons one. I mean, I've had a few. There's been a few lately where, where the dogs, yeah, when the dogs come into season and they've said that, you know, they've, they've become more clingy or, um, you know, can be a bit odd. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's, anecdotal I know but a lot of 
girly dogs seem to yeah no they do yeah they the sail through it or they don't Uh, and then the the added thing of a of a phantom pregnancy if you do get a dog that has phantom pregnancies can really add add a load of a whole heap of trouble on the end of it because that can be very difficult to deal with I think I a little bit put that in the category of, you know, when dogs aren't feeling well, they'll they'll sometimes yeah. get the same way, kind of maybe clingy and and not up for training. So yeah, definitely with, um, although some dogs don't seem to be real affected by a heat cycle, other ones really do. So you know, yeah, adjust for your dog as always. But if your dog is struggling, I would just go with easy wins and the exercises or give your dog a break depending on their level of distress there, you know. Yeah. And same if, um, same if they're just not feeling well in general for some other reason, mm-hmm. if they've got a funny tummy or maybe they're in some sort of pain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, think of trying to do something that's difficult for you when you're not feeling well. I mean, it's just, Mm. no thanks. So kind of the same. I would go with, use that as a rule of thumb. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained. Uh, I am Ness Jones. Uh, I am from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoders, and I am in Australia. If you need a specialist to help you with your separation anxiety journey, please reach out. And I'm Sarah McLaren from Separation Anxiety Solutions in the UK. Uh, if you need a separation anxiety trainer in the UK, then feel free to give me a shout on Facebook or on my website at hello at separationanxietysolutions.com. Thank you. Hey, and I'm Stacey Bell with Focused Fun. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Focused Fun Dogs, and my website is focusedfun.net. If you like this podcast, um, please follow us share it with your friends give us a five-star review you can find us on apple stitcher google spotify and lots of other listening apps see you hear you you can hear us next week (laughs) Bye. bye bye